Our Hebrew scripture reading is the 23rd Psalm. You can follow along at page 390 of the Old Testament section of your pew Bibles, but I will be reading the King James Version. You have the the New Revised Standard Version in front of you. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We celebrate the written word of Scripture. We celebrate the living word, Christ among us. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Mr. Axelrad is a name that is burned into my memory. I don't remember many of my fellow law students, but I will never forget Mr. Axelrad. We were always called Mr. or Ms. by our law professors, no first names. In college, on the first day of class, you meet the professor, you get the syllabus, maybe a short introductory lecture, you may not even have bought the books yet. But in law school, you have a reading assignment before you show up for the first class. It would be easy to miss this in the stacks of orientation letters. The first class on the first day of my first year of law school was property law. And the professor called on Mr. Axelrad, probably because his name begins with A. For once, I was relieved to be in the W's. Although I had read the case, because my sister, who had done a short stint in law school, had warned me. Mr. Axelrad did not have a shepherd like my sister. Mr. Axelrad was not prepared to answer questions about who owns a wild fox that runs from one person's land onto another's. And I'm guessing that no one in the classroom will ever forget Mr. Axelrad or the need for a shepherd when you're in unfamiliar territory. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. The shepherd metaphor still speaks to us across the millennia although most of us are now several generations away from anything like an agricultural society, perhaps it's these very scripture passages that we heard this morning that cause us to associate the word shepherd with profound trust. We all need a good shepherd. Every day in the news we encounter fresh examples of bad shepherding, People in charge of protecting the president are not at their post, but instead allegedly at the bar or a strip club. Politicians focus on finding chinks in one another's armor 
rather than finding solutions to the nation's injustices. Pastors abuse their positions of spiritual influence and take advantage of vulnerable people. Someone sent me an email this past week with photos of parents putting their kids at risk, dragging a baby carriage behind a bicycle, the back of a pickup truck full of infant carriers, that sort of thing. Bad shepherds are everywhere. But John's Gospel holds up a picture of Jesus as the Good Shepherd. His audience would have been familiar with the notion of the Good Shepherd because it was the image used to describe the ideal king. In Israel's history, the king was to embody the qualities of God. The king's duty was to act out of concern for justice for the poor, to be a shepherd who looked out for the rights and needs of the widow and the orphan, the most vulnerable in the flock. The king was to reflect the care of God described so poetically in Psalm 23, the Lord is my, our shepherd. The prophets Jeremiah and Ezekiel repeatedly condemned the leaders of the nation for being bad shepherds, which they insist resulted in Israel's defeat and its leaders being taken into exile. After that, Israel no longer had historical kings. Israel was a colony of whatever superpower came along next. So the job description of Good Shepherd was transferred to the Messiah, the king who would usher in a new order of God and restore justice to the land. As Christians, we believe that king has come and that we are to live in such a way that we mirror his way of being in the world. That means that every Christian is called to be a shepherd. We each have a sphere of influence, right? Even if we don't think of ourselves as public figures. It might be our family, our job, our classroom, the board we serve. It certainly means our congregation. In the church, That means we strive to be a place of refuge, a place to which the bruised and battered may retreat. And my friends, just about everybody is bruised and battered in one way or another. But doesn't that also mean that the church is to be the confronter of wolves, that we have a role outside these protective walls, out in the world where the ravaging and terrorizing are actually taking place? Today, we welcome new church members to our fellowship. Church membership is both a response to God's grace and a statement of commitment. Our Book of Order calls it a covenant. Covenants are relationships built on promises and enriched by trust. Part of the covenant of church membership is to shepherd each other. Our membership and outreach team assigns shepherds to each of our new members. Those shepherds will introduce the new members to you this morning. But the task of shepherding does not fall on these official shepherds alone. Just as it takes a village to raise a child, it takes a whole congregation to shepherd a new member. The two most effective ways that we have found to bring people into the fellowship of our congregation shepherd them so that they feel a sense of belonging and trust, 
are through friendships, friendships in the church, and through participation in our ministries, in the work that we do together in Christ's name, like the winter shelter, teaching Sunday school, singing in the choir, and yes, even serving on a committee. I have known people who routinely invite new members to lunch after worship. This is wonderful shepherding. So is inviting someone to the women's retreat, or to sing in the choir, or to serve on your committee. Tom Gordon tells a story about Duncan, a real shepherd. Duncan was a good shepherd. He loved his work. He worked most of the time but he was in church every Sunday. He would walk to church with his two dogs, which would wait for him at the church door until worship was over. He always carried a full-length shepherd's crook, which people said he'd made himself. Taking his seat, he'd carefully place the crook under the pew to be retrieved when it was time to leave. Tammy thought Duncan the shepherd was just marvelous. Duncan let Cammy pet his dogs, and it seemed to Cammy as though he was the only one that Duncan allowed to do this, which made him feel very grown up indeed. Sometimes Duncan and Cammy would walk from church to Cammy's house with the two dogs by their side and Cammy's parents a fair distance behind, which made Cammy feel even more grown up. One day as they were leaving church, Duncan turned to Cammy and said in his gentle, lilting voice, Well, young laddie, would you like to hold this and see us safely on our way? And he held out his precious shepherd's crook. Cammy couldn't speak. It took him a few steps before he got the rhythm right, walking with the crook, because it was bigger than he was. But he soon got the hang of it. All too soon, they were at Cammie's gate, and Duncan smiled and said, Aye, laddie, you look the part. You'll make a good shepherd yourself someday. One Sunday, Cammie came out of church, and the dogs weren't there. Cammie's parents explained that Duncan had gone to be with God, which took Cammie a while to figure out meant that Duncan had died. One afternoon, when Cammie came home from school, There was the familiar shepherd's crook leaning against the back gate of his house. At first, Cammie thought Duncan was there, but then his parents came out and saw the tag on the crook. It's addressed to you, Cammie, said his dad, and he read, Cammie, this is for you. It was my father's favorite thing, and he said that he would want you to have it. He told me you'd make a good shepherd yourself one day, And a good shepherd needs a good shepherd's crook. Cammie is a good shepherd. He goes to church every Sunday and carefully places his shepherd's crook under the pew. There's always a wee boy patting his dogs when he comes out of church and he enjoys walking home with the lad. One Sunday, Cammie bends down to his young companion and says, Well, young laddie, would you like to hold this and see us safely on our way? Cammie smiles as he watches the boy struggle to get the rhythm of walking with a crook that is bigger than he is, but pretty soon it's just fine. Aye, laddie, you look the part. You'll make a good shepherd yourself one day. 
he hears Duncan whisper in his ear, The Lord is our shepherd. The Lord gives us shepherds. The Lord makes us shepherds. Thanks be to God. Amen.